A beautiful part of the world is far north Queensland. Great Barrier Reef, the Daintree, stunning scenery, fabulous beer and so on. Kevin Byrne is Executive Director of Enterprise North based in Cairns. In a recent article in City Life magazine, he said that confidence had been destroyed in shutdown madness. In that article, which was mostly focused on government's destructive COVID overreach and the damage to far north Queensland, he said, the government needs to play their part by not meddling unnecessarily, keeping their word, investing in infrastructure that focuses on growing community needs and creating the environment that encourages business investment to create growth alongside job opportunities. Kevin Byrne, thanks for joining us. Mike, it's a great pleasure. Now, can you tell us about the type of businesses Enterprise North represents and the regions that you cover? Look, we we represent a modest number of businesses, uh, 20 plus uh, uh, in total, uh, and uh, we cover across the uh, north northeastern part of uh, uh, Queensland or northeastern part of Australia, actually. We're named Enterprise North because we concentrate our work around policy and infrastructure issues with a focus across Northern Australia. We, we, we see ourselves as integral to the development of Northern Australia, which is the top 25% of the Australian continent. It's a big, it's a big landmass. We work collaboratively with uh, as best as possible organisations in the Northern Territory and Northern Western Australia. But our policy work and the infrastructure projects that we advocate for most of the time apply to northeastern Queensland and uh, we're based in Cairns. Our membership actually has a view to making life better uh, for our northern communities and to see them grow and prosper uh, and uh, to provide opportunities as we move forward as a country. We know costs are a big problem for Aussie businesses notably uh, energy and labour cost. Can you tell us what costs are the most problematic for your North Queensland businesses? Uh, I would imagine freight being one of those. Freight, freight's one uh, because of the vast distances. And there's a great challenge here about how we handle that. Uh, do we put more and more uh, big trucks on the road? I don't think so. I think we need to start looking uh, uh, laterally at uh, Im- Im- improving our rail connectivity. I mean, we've gone off rail uh, for the last number of decades, and I think that uh, we need to uh, revisit that and, and, and have a look at how rail is going to play uh, a more important part in the future and to get big trucks off our uh, already stretched road system. So there's a cost there. The other cost is, is with energy in all its forms, really, uh, and the challenge about how we marry the energy requirements for the future to our population base. Now, there's a great uh, deal of emphasis saying, on, oh, what we're going to do is have uh, uh, energy supplied by the sun and wind, uh, and that's the way, that's the direction we need to go, and you hear that religiously from those that are on the environmental side. Well, that's not going to be enough. Uh, so we have to have a look at the energy mix in the future. And energy is too high here. Uh, the cost of energy is too high. Similarly, the cost of insuring 
uh, our, our businesses, uh, the activities of those businesses, and more importantly, and sorry, equally as important, is uh, the domestic insurance costs for those people who live in Northern Australia. I mean, these are big challenges that uh, tax the minds of governments, state and federal, uh, as to how we address that. But, you know, it's been taxing the minds of these people for 30 years now. And one of the reasons why we are so vocal in this, in this space is because we're saying out loud regularly we need to attend to these issues rather than identifying them and putting them on the back burner. And we've done this too often uh, across Northern Australia. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons for that is we don't have the population uh, numbers to justify boots on the ground in our parliament houses, whether they're down in Canberra or in Brisbane uh, or in Darwin or, or, or in West Australia. So we need to grow our population across the north to justify the boots on the ground in our parliamentary system where the decision makers are. So hence our emphasis on growing populations across Northern Australia and making sure we have taxation regimes and investment regimes and so on that will support that population growth. It's all very well talking about us talking about you know, uh, great crops or having wonderful product to sell to the consumer, whether they're a, a tourist or local or for export, you know, whether it's international or national, got to have skilled labour. Um, is, that a, is that a real problem, getting people to actually move there and, and actually become that skilled labour for industry up there? Yes, it is, uh, Mike. And the reason for that is pretty well this, that... We're talking in Australia now at the end of a year in, into this pandemic that there's a great, going to be a great migration from the urban centres to the regional centres. But really, when people sit down and do the sums and decide if they're going to move their families and themselves, there's got to be a carrot in it for them. Just at the moment, the, the costs are prohibitive for many of these people to move, and and they look at they look at the tra trajectory of where their lives are going to take them. So they need to know that there is going to be uh, opportunities for themselves uh, and their children. They need to know there's going to be good education systems, good health systems, uh, good social systems, good recreational uh, facilities good schools to make them take that leap of faith. I, I, would, I would suggest to them to look objectively at that because, you know, I, I'm not a native of here. I, I come from a different part of the world, but uh, I know a lot of people who've taken the leap of faith to come into regional Australia and they do very, very well. Uh, but they do very, very well when governments have a view to making sure that the support mechanisms for them to make that leap of faith are there. Now, we don't expect to have, you know, massive hospitals uh, at a great cost to the taxpayer uh, for a small population base. We get it that these things will come as population grows, but we need the confidence in the region that governments have our back to make sure that policies and infrastructure will be provided to ensure that that steady growth will increase so cumulatively over decades. We know that we're going to have, for example, in Cairns City, we have a, 
a, a recorded population base of say 170,000 in the geographic boundaries of Cairns City, we should be able to confidently say, listen, that's going to grow to 250,000 in the next uh, 12, 15 years. And, and by the way, that 250,000 will translate into 300,000 by the year 2035. They're the sorts of figures we need to talk about and we need to have the confidence that the governments of the day and the governments of the future will understand that and be committed to making sure there is a decentralisation in Australia out of the bigger urban centres into regional Australia and in particularly northern Australia that I represent. It may seem, this may seem uh, to many as a ridiculous question, but and if, because you've had so much rain, I mean, it's just, it, and gentle sea breezes becoming cyclones before you know it. But what about water? I mean, your water security up there, are the catchment areas big enough to sustain a growing population and industry too? Well, we've got to, we've got to jump this hurdle of sensible uh, um, issues in relating to how we manage the environment. I mean, this part of the world is... Uh, um, gripped at times uh, for years at a time and then it, the emphasis goes off it by greeny fever and uh, illogical interpretation of uh, uh, climatic events and, and uh, other issues. So there is an overemphasis on the negativity and the negative spin. Look, some years ago I proposed uh, a, um, a position for the Queensland Government of the day to adopt when there was a drought in the southeast corner of Queensland, that we provide further dams in northern Australia. And if we were really serious, we could provide and we could pump uh, water from those uh, bigger dams all the way down south. Uh, it followed a, a proposal to uh, provide gas from uh, Papua New Guinea all the way down to um, Gladstone, for example. And I propose that we follow a similar uh, pipeline route. Now, that was poo-hooed at the time, but I think there is merit in that, that sort of thinking. We have far too few uh, genuine uh, catchment facilities for water to store and grow the uh, agriculture and uh, uh, the horticultural sector of our part of the world. I think as we grow our population, uh, the demand will be there. The demand is there now, uh, but it, it comes at some cost. And this is one of the costs of doing businesses, business up in our part of the world. But having said that, if we are far-sighted and we are visionary, uh, we can provide this. And there are organisations like ours, Enterprise North, uh, and the regional development organisations that are, are basically supported by the federal government across the north who are looking into collaboration to making sure that we have enough water and energy resources for the growth I'm talking about to provide some competitive costs uh, uh, to remove a lot of the excessive cost pressures in that area. If somebody wants to find out more about uh, northeast Queensland, uh, right up the top, um, do you know of a good website that we could perhaps visit? <laughs> Look, if yes, I do. Um, there's... Cairns Tourism Industry Association has a, a website. I mean, Tourism Tropical North Queensland has a website. There's any number of websites about our part of the world. But if you want to talk about the economic 
realities and, and, and uh, the issues that really uh, are driving the economic agenda here, then visit Enterprise North, if you will, uh, and uh, contact us. We're only too happy to make contact back again and, and, and discuss. Uh, you know, the, the beautiful thing about our part of the world is we're out there, we're visible, uh, people know where Cairns is, uh, they know Australia, uh, and uh, we, want, we want a lot of people to come visit us, we want people to come and live here. Uh, we want people to participate in the, in the future growth and development. And I thank you for uh, allowing us to do this on your, uh, uh, on your show. Thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, just uh, missing the, uh, the bacon and eggs for breakfast down by the waterfront um, or, or a couple of cold beers at Hemingway's either in Cairns or in uh, Port Douglas. But you never know. I mean, we've been up there twice in a few months. We may have to do that again. Kevin Byrne from... Yes. Kevin you, from... You better do that. Quickly, we'd have to do that quickly and with a lot of confidence, mate. Kevin from uh, Enterprise North, thank you very much. Thank you. Jeremy Siegel, finance professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, said inflation could spike to 20% in the next two or three years due to unprecedented fiscal and monetary stimulus and an explosion of the US money supply. Siegel criticised Fed Chair Jerome Powell for not acting to quell inflation in the near term. Professor Wharton called Powell the most dovish chairman he's ever seen and said that the Fed Chair's stance could be a problem down the road. And critics argue that a dovish monetary policy left unchecked could overheat an economy and result in runaway inflation. Blake Christian is a partner at Holthouse, Carlin and Van Trite. First of all, Blake, great to see that you're still alive after a very, very busy time at work. Yeah, we got an extra month extension on individual returns, but it was uh, still pretty hectic. That would have brought joy to your heart. I can, I can, I can hear the joy in the voice, in fact. Uh, inflation has jumped to a level not seen since 20 or 2008. What were the main reasons for the increase? Well, m- most of it's energy costs, uh, you know, so- somewhat surprising uh, in the U.S., but we have a huge shortage of, uh, of used cars. And so that spiked about 25%, uh, the u- used cars, which uh, factors into that uh, inflation uh, mix. And uh, so uh, a lot of people are unloading their, their used cars. A lot of that has to do with uh, COVID and all the rental car companies quit buying, obviously, because they, you know, there was no travel. And so you don't have all of those um, rental cars, uh, you know, going to uh, other consumers down the road two or three years down the road. Is this a, a temporary hiccup or are prices such as fuel expected to go up for quite some time? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we had, um, you know, we had this pipeline problem on the East Coast. So that, you know, certainly it has something to do with it. And, you know, we, you know, certain states like California, they have different mixes that they switch over and they're more costly in the in the summer. But and, and you know, people are, are feeling very good with all the vaccinations about traveling again. So there's this huge surge in, uh, you know, people buying gas and things. So, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's there's reasons behind it. My you know what? What people are talking about is the you know the, the regulatory environment that we have here with with the Biden administration. Uh, 
um, there, you know, somebody in his administration was kind of euphoric about the pipeline situation, and they, they commented, well, if, if everybody had electric cars, this wouldn't be an issue. And so, you know, kind, kind of back to the, you know, don't let any any crisis, uh, you know, go by without capitalizing on it. And uh, so there's, I, I think the regulatory environment, again, is is such that um, it, it's going to be more costly to, to drill for oil, to process it, to put it in your car. So I, I don't, it's not going to be 45% spike that we've, we've had in the last 12 months. But, you know, I think we're going to see year over year kind of costs, you know, 10, 10 plus percent just because this administration doesn't want us using petroleum products. Interesting, the carbon footprint of electric electric cars is uh, greater yep. uh, than the normal car. Go figure that. Uh, pretty bizarre, isn't it? But, you know, if you have the electric car for eight years, no one knows how long they will last, Last, but they uh, they might last the eight years. After the eight years, they start to, uh, to pay dividends. So you buy the electric car, wreck the earth, according to the, uh, the greenies, and uh, then after eight years, you're going to save it. Uh, does it make sense to you? I don't think so. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, we just had Elon Musk pull, you know, Bitcoin off his um, list of ways to pay for for his um, his Teslas because you know he was getting a lot of pressure from environmental groups that uh, crypto mining um, was um, you know was was a problem. And my, my question to Elon, who I have a lot of respect for, is well. You know, does it bother you that most of your cars get their electricity from cold fired plants? And, uh, you know, maybe he should stop selling his cars until they convert to some cleaner energy. I don't know. Maybe I'm, uh, I'm, maybe windmills on the top of the car. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but they used to have used to have, have uh, hats from the caps. The, uh, and you have a little windmill on the top of that, maybe. I'm not, maybe that could be the uh, the way to go. We'll all, all have our portable windmill sitting on our nonga, and, uh, but that would be fantastic. You would look great, I have to say. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for nuclear. <laughs> well, so where would you put that? Where would you put that? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of nim- NIMBYs, not in my backyard, uh, people out there. But, yeah, I mean, it's still still the most uh, most efficient, and there hasn't been a... A new plan, I think, in uh, the U.S. since the 1980s. So um, I think it's I think it's time. I think the greenies, including Biden, would like to put the uh, nuclear plant somewhere where the sun don't shine. Now, where is the expectation of where energy prices are headed? You know, um, there, most mo- a lot of the big investment houses and you know business publications, they're all. You know, they're all saying right now, oh, this it's all temporary. And, you know, the Biden administration is saying, oh, you know, this spike is all temporary. You know, Yellen kind of got caught in, you know, I think on May 4th saying, you know, oh, yeah, you know, we might have to increase interest rates because we're seeing this inflation. And she had to walk that back. But, um, you know, I I think, you know, I I think we're in a very inflationary period uh, reminds me a lot of the the Carter years, and um, I, I think I, I think we're seeing a, a huge blip right now. But I, the the trend is definitely up. 
And I, I, I think we're going to see it for the next few years. If you see a 20 uh, percent uh, spike in inflation, I mean, a house that was 100,000 will be 120. In fact, it'll be even more because if you allow then for uh, the raw materials, the labor and so forth, building that house, that will even add more. So you could probably quite comfortably see a house price rise uh, by 20 to 40 percent, I would think, because you've got all the other bits added to it. Uh, even with a 20% inflation hike, uh, that's, when you, you, you're competing with Venezuela. I mean, who do you think will win, Venezuela or the U.S. under Comrade Biden? A, a race to the bottom, yeah. I mean, out, out here in uh, Park City uh, in the last 18 months, you know, we, we've seen the, the square footage build costs increase by about 25%. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not a pretty sight. What about the effect of inflation on other aspects of the economy, such as asset values, wages, and and so on? Well, yeah, I mean, the you know wages, you know, is going to be the real problem. There's this push to a fifteen dollar minimum wage across the country. Uh, that's going to drive up costs, and you're not getting any additional productivity out of it. And uh, that's you know that's the um, the troubling part to the economy is if you're just raising prices but not getting any um, productivity out of it, you're, you're you know it's a it's a real downward spiral. And uh, and the other thing is you know our even the moderate uh, inflation rates that are being predicted uh, for the for 2021 and 2022. You know, in the one one point eight, two point two range, um, you know, those those are still quite a bit more than than what they're predicting in Europe. And you know, we we all know that you know it's a very international economy, and you know, people are going to go and manufacture uh, or have services uh, done in in the lower cost jurisdictions. And also with the tax increases that Biden is threatening. And so, you know, it, it doesn't bode that well for the U.S. economy, I think, with, uh, with you know, the inflationary trend, the regulatory trend, the tax policies, all of those coming together and compared to other industrialized countries, you know, pe- people have, a, have choices all over the world where they're going to do business and, um, you know, the U.S. is not going to be their first choice uh, the way things are shaping up. Interesting, the, um, uh, the COVID, um, thank you to the, uh, the lab in Wuhan, did a lovely job of uh, releasing that. But fabulous seeing the uh, rest of the world uh, scurrying, trying to stay afloat, pouring out money, left, right and centre, keeping people at home, lock them down, feed them, they'll be OK. Slowly coming back, um, Business wasn't traveling all that great in some parts of the world anyway prior to COVID. But coming back, um, things just looking like they're going to start to come to a head. Uh, Europe, you can't keep giving money out. You know, look, at, look at the US, you can't keep just giving money out without, without it coming back to bite you. One country that is uh, still doing particularly well, uh, the manufacturer of, uh, of, the, of COVID itself was uh, China. They're doing pretty well indeed. So... It's ironical that we have the West, uh, Europe, uh, other countries still going through uh, this pandemic, trying to keep the economy going, paying out 
their citizens, uh, keeping them alive, which is what you can do. But at the end of the day, uh, if you throw all this money out, it has to come back and really bite you on the backside, doesn't it, Blake? Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I actually feel bad that I don't have my mask on. There's so much confusion over here whether we should be masked or, or not, whether we've been, uh, you know, taking the jab or not. So uh, it's... Uh, it's 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 really kind of comical when you go into the stores and uh, some people are wearing masks, some aren't, and people are giving nasty looks to to both groups. You know, it's it's you can't win these days. It's a mess. It is a mess. The uh, the old mask. I mean, look at Joe Biden. First of all, wore it on his ear, uh, then wore it, and then doesn't wear it, and then wears it. So um, a great message there. The ear was fine. Never got COVID. He's, uh, he was apparently quite safe because he wore his mask and never got COVID. Now he takes it off. He doesn't get COVID. Um, where does it end? I mean, I have my mask, but I normally wear it at night. Uh, no one knows me then. And uh, goes to my <laughs> lace stockings in stilettos. So um, it's a pretty good... And the whip. Maybe, maybe that'll keep COVID away. I know it keeps everybody else away. Uh, look, if somebody wants to find out more about tax or, you know, my dress issues, how do they do that? <laughs> okay, our, our website uh, is hcbt.com, and you can also Google Blake Christian CPA, and my contact information and articles uh, will be on that. And just before we go, last time we did a, um, which was some time ago, before you started to relax and enjoy the extension in tax, uh, tax returns, I mean, your favorite time of the year, apparently. Um, out of five, the economy at the moment for the U.S., you know, actually, I mean, it is booming right now because, I mean, people are getting out. They're starting to travel. Uh, you can't you, you can't even book hotels these days. It's very so I, I would say that it's a very positive trend. But, you know, you have to balance it with the inflationary pressure and uh, this massive twenty eight trillion dollar, you know, debt load that we have right at the moment, which is going to keep going up. Um, it's, you know, that's that's the, the worrisome part of our economy. Uh, a couple of years' time, we'll soon know yeah, how, how bad the bite on our backside was because, uh, you know, again, uh, 20% is a whopping increase and uh, it does uh, compare quite favourably to, uh, to Venezuela. And finally, I have to ask you, I mean, the president has been slipping. Uh, out of 10, though... Uh, last time, I think he was uh, below the five mark. Out of 10, how would you uh, rate uh, President Biden's uh, performance so far? Okay, I'm, I'm going to, the, the mask issue, uh, I'm going to give him a one. Um, for overall, I think last week I gave him, a, or last time, I uh, gave him a two and a half. I'm, I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a three uh, because, um, you know he's 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 kind of cut cut out the lockdown and 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 given everybody uh, a, lot, a little more freedom. Although a lot of states, uh, the the very liberal states, are still you know not you know not full lockdown, but they're, they haven't released their their prisoners yet. Prisoners, I like that. That's in Washington. Actually, that's across the states. You must stay inside. <laughs> Depends on if it's a red or a blue state. Um, uh, what your your liberties are, and some some are still just hunkering down with those masks. Uh, 
Now, I think the uh, MIT said the mask wasn't all that effective. In fact, it uh, probably prolonged the, uh, the uh, coronavirus pandemic because it didn't allow herd immunity. But, you know, if I say that, which, by the way, this is not on YouTube because YouTube don't like us anymore. Uh, but, you know, if, if I do say that masks are a waste of time, um, I'm sure to get some uh, poison pen letters. Blake Christian. <laughs> Thanks very much for putting up with my rant um, and my uh, dress description at night. Uh, Talk to you next week. Always a pleasure. Thank you.